going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's guest is the one and only Noah Olson, who is a professional CrossFit athlete. He has actually been to the CrossFit Games five times. He is known for not only being just a monster in the gym. I mean, the dude is big, jacked, strong, fast, you name it. He is it. But he's also the most positive dude in that space, in my opinion. Um, just watching his content, looking at his Instagram, you will immediately see how positive, positive, this, positive this guy this guy that he talks about all the time is happy but hungry. Meaning he is striving for excellence constantly, but he's extremely happy with what he has accomplished and where he is at now. And in this podcast, you're going to see that firsthand because you're going to listen to him talk about his journey from being a scrawny guy just trying to get jacked to impress the ladies to becoming one of the top CrossFit athletes in the world, showing the world how strong he is, showing the world how much he cares about the sport, showing the world how much he believes in what he calls the pursuit of fitness, which is his way of spreading the message of moving more, becoming more, and just being more yourself. So I really had a good time talking to this athlete, Noah Olson, and just digging into his story and bringing you guys a real-life example of what a day in the life of a professional CrossFit athlete looks like. I mean, this guy trains a lot. And we're going to dive into that. We're going to learn more about how he became the athlete he became uh, is today, but also talk a little bit about what he does right now from a training, a mental, and a nutritional standpoint to make sure that he continues becoming a better athlete. There's going to be a lot of great takeaways, and it's just a lot of great insights into what it is like to be a professional athlete. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Before we get into the show, I just want to remind you guys the best way to help me grow the show and get more people listening so they can benefit as well is going to be to tag us on Instagram. So what I want you to do right now is take a screenshot of this show, post it on your story, your Instagram story, tag Noah at N-O-H-L-S-E-N, so it's N Olson, and then tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. Let us know who's watching the show. We want to hear from you guys. We want to see you guys tagging this. We want to share your story um, just like you share this podcast on yours. So once again, guys, please take a screenshot, post on your Instagram story, and tag myself and Noah Olson. And without any further ado, let's get on to this awesome episode with the one and only CrossFit Games athlete, Noah Olson. All right, Noah Olson, man, I'm super pumped to have you here. You're one of the first actually... I guess we would consider it, and I've actually heard you talk about this. It's weird to call yourself a professional athlete, but the first professional athlete on the podcast to talk about what you do. So I'm really excited to have you here, man. And for anybody who doesn't know who Noah is, can you give us who you are in a nutshell, just for the listeners? Yeah, of course. Thank you. I'm honored and excited to be here as well. So my name is Noah Olson. I am from Miami, Florida, and I am a CrossFit Games athlete. I've been competing at the CrossFit Games the last five years and in the CrossFit world itself for the last almost nine years and just in sports in general my whole life. So everything has kind of led to me now just full-time training and competing in the sport of CrossFit. I love that, man. I always love putting that in perspective right from the beginning because a lot of people chase like quick gratification and just the fact that you've been doing this for so long and you've been an athlete for even longer just helps people realize like this shit takes a long time man, and you've been working hard for such a long time. Um, and speaking on that, like how did it all start? What got you into CrossFit in the first place? For sure. It's tough. And it's funny because I never really, although I did play sports growing up and all the way through like high school and college and kind of I guess always because I had invested so much time and it maybe hoped and aspired to do it full time and 
maybe professionally, but never really like that wasn't the goal. I never thought that I would be a full-time athlete. I thought that I was going to have to get the traditional nine to five job. And I got a college degree for that purpose. And, you know, it, it just kind of happened. And so I think that for anybody out there that maybe doesn't have something going for them right now, where they're not like the high school or college all-star getting recruited to go play some sport, that doesn't necessarily mean that that dream can't still happen. You know, there's a lot of opportunity out there and sometimes they come a little bit later than you would expect them to. So I yeah. kind of fell into this and it's been a blessing. Did you, did you fall into it right when CrossFit started growing or did you come later on? Cause it was kind of cool when CrossFit started because it gave fitness like a competitive sport. Whereas before it was football, soccer, baseball, like you had to do a quote unquote sport right. and this created that. So were you there right when that started or did you come later on? Yeah, I think it was probably right around the time that the true CrossFit competitions kind of blew up. There, the CrossFit Games have been going on since 2007. I didn't, I didn't even know what CrossFit was until 2010. So in that regard, I was a little bit later to the game. But around 2010-11 was when they had the first CrossFit Open, and they like structured regionals, and the games were at um, the what was it out in California? I can't hub hub center out in California. I think that's kind of when everything got pretty legit and it became a little bit more of a professional sport. So I think the timing was just really good for me that I found the sport trained well and started to kind of peak right around the time. Like I, I was growing as an athlete at the same time that the CrossFit games themselves were growing. So that worked out well. Yeah. What was it like I kind of want to know what your training was like pre, during, and post, like, or now, I guess, currently, so we can kind of go through those phases, but what were you doing for training before? Because I got to imagine, like, stepping into CrossFit and getting competitive that quick, you have to be either athletic or doing some kind of lifting to have a strength base in the first place. What were you doing before you jumped into CrossFit? Yeah, no, it's ironic that you say that, because that was the one thing that I I didn't really have a, a very strong base in was the strength and the, the heavyweight movements and so that was where I had to dedicate a lot of my time at the beginning to fill that gap where I did come in at a little bit of an advantage was all of the cardiovascular components to CrossFit so I the sports that I played lacrosse ton of running and breathing and moving swimming water polo all very like more aerobic sports and so I had a good aerobic base and I was able to come in and, and do a Metcon well and I could, I could run and box jump and pull up and, and do that stuff. And I kind of picked up on some of the gymnastics movements quickly, even though I didn't have a gymnastics background. And the strength stuff, like everything on the barbell, I had to start from scratch. Like when I'd, I was a sophomore in college, so I was 19 years old. And the training that I had been doing, I'll run you through the timeline was mostly like aesthetic based you know I, I just wanted to get jacked and ripped and so i was following the circuit doing like men's health training type of stuff and it what i was starting to transition a little bit just from the three sets of 10 bottles bench press blah 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 into some types of circuits where it was a little bit faster and moving so that was kind of like maybe the beginning of starting to enjoy CrossFit style training. But prior to that, like, I remember maybe six months before I, I went into a CrossFit gym, a friend of mine, Josh Albee was at the University of Miami gym with me. And he was teaching me front squats, like, like this, like the genie style where you have your hands crossed over your shoulders, and you're not actually holding onto the bar. And it was super weird. But 
we did some and probably didn't go all the way down, but I remember him saying that it was good for your core because you had to stabilize in there and build your legs. And, and I, like I said, six months later, I was at the CrossFit gym and, and learning how to do a proper front squat and have my hands on the bar. And had, I didn't even know what a snatch was. So all of that stuff took a little while to get familiar with and develop. And man, I would say I'm still figuring stuff out and it's been nine years. It's probably a, a nonstop process. What were the things you're kind of figuring out along the way? Like, I'm curious because a lot of general population going into CrossFit, it's really like just getting through the wads, right? Like they don't sit down and individualize, okay, here's your weaknesses. Here's your imbalances. You need to work on, like you said, a strength base on the barbell lifts or probably even mm -hmm. just flexibility in your wrist and forearm. So you can actually rack the barbell that way. I know that was big yeah. for me because I used to do it that same way. Um, yeah. What were the different things that you started kind of checking off the list as you were thinking like, I'm going to seriously compete in this sport? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, definitely the Olympic lifts were, were tough technically. And I kind of made the mistake. I got really eager when I started CrossFit. I loved it and was like all about it and jumped in and I just was taking the classes and wanting to, sign up and compete. And I skipped what at peak, the gym that I've been at since I started called their fundamentals process, which was a week of one hour class a day of learning the movements, just the coach kind of one-on-one -on -one teaching you, this is the snatch, this is how you do it. And I skipped that. I was like, ah, I'll wing it. I'll figure it out. Like I'll just learn from watching people and maybe getting some help here and there. And uh, a couple months later I went back and I was like, all right, you know what? This stuff is hard and I'm, I'm kind of getting through it. And I will probably be okay without it, but I think it, it's time now to really learn how to do this the right way. So those, the Olympic lifts were something that took having a, an eye on you and like different little tricks and tips. I remember with the snatch, I used to always kind of like graze my thighs on the way up and, and wasn't very powerful in that way. And there was one coach, a uh, friend of mine, Peter, um, Kazanis and he just one day randomly I'll never forget the day he taught me like a little drill that helped me make hip contact with the barbell in order to jump the bar up over my head to like literally have the barbell hit your hips and I would say a majority of Olympic lifters do that now if you watch really closely they're actually making physical contact with the bar at their hip and that was a game changer for me and that probably was like a year into already having been snatching um, so just little things like that. And, uh, mobility for me was never a huge issue. I came in pretty flexible. I don't, I don't know why I think that was just the way my body was and is, um, definitely things that I've had to work on along the way. Ironically, now that I'm getting a little older and I've been doing this for a while, I'm, I'm getting a little stiffer in places than I was when I first started. So that's almost more important now than it was at the beginning when I started as just kind of a, a young limber kid. Yeah. That's actually one thing I was going to ask you about because I know you, you uh, talk about Romwad quite a bit and I know you're kind of affiliated with them. And I also heard you talk on yeah. another one that you're, I don't know if you said you were hyper mobile, but somebody, I want to say, cause you trained at training think tank, right? Yep. Yep. So I want to say one of those guys told you like, you need to like do less because you're so, yeah. is that changing For now sure. or is that just like a genetic thing? Um, you know, I, I, that was my coach, Max El Haj, when I started working with them, we kind of were analyzing my movement and my squats, I think were the, the one thing that we were seeing, I was kind of like really bottoming out in my squats and didn't have enough tension down there. And 
he was saying, I, I don't think in that particular region, like your hamstrings and stuff, I don't think you need to stretch those much more for length, like maybe just for, for soreness and health purposes, if you can stretch, but try not to really, really push the range of motion there because you already have more than you need. And, and we want to try to like really tighten you up to make you a little bit more uh, durable on the barbell. So that was an interesting perspective that I hadn't really thought of. And, and it did help. I, I think I am getting a little tighter for the better. Um, I don't know, as long as it doesn't take it to the point where I'm like too tight and can't get to the ranges that I need to. But yeah, it happens. I'm, I'm getting, I, I, people used to always say they're like, wait till you're up in your late twenties, you'll start feeling it. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm healthy. And, and honestly, now that I'm 27, I would say like 26, 27 was where I started feeling like, Oh, okay. I, I get what they're talking about. Like I'll wake up and I'll be a little stiff and it's nothing crazy. I can, I just need to like move around a little bit and then I feel good. But definitely like shoulders are a little tighter. I used to be able to do a close grip overhead squat with the barbell. Now there's no way. Um, and part of that honestly may be related to putting on muscle and size. Like now that I'm just getting bigger and maybe that's an excuse because there are some huge dudes that can get it some, some really impressive positions, but I think that might be a, a little bit of a limiter in some areas. I would definitely agree with that. And it's funny you said that because so I'm going to turn 27 here soon. I'm 26. And this is like the first year right. where it all started kind of catching up to me too. Actually, my good friend, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Sean Pastouche, I don't know if you're familiar with Active Life, but he's yeah. going to be helping yeah, yeah. me up this year because same thing. I was like, dude, nice. my knees, my hips, like I got to do something and actually start prioritizing this. And it, I took a longer time yeah. to compete. Um, how prevalent do you feel like that is in the sport to prevent injury? Because that's one thing I'm super interested in is like CrossFit is such an all-encompassing sport it's hard not to get injured because there's so much going on that you have to be good at it's actually really amazing how do you make sure you're not getting injured because you haven't got injured at all in i mean nothing serious that's yeah. out of the games right yeah no knock on wood I, i've been lucky and i haven't had any major injuries over the course of my competing in crossfit there's always little like nicks and knacks and things that happen and i do my best to avoid those i think honestly sometimes you're lucky and you just kind of go on a streak of, man, I, I feel good getting into the gym and nothing's really bugging me. And honestly, right now is one of those. And I don't want to jinx myself by saying that because I've got a big competition in Wadapalooza coming up and I hope I can stay that way through that. But there are times when that's not the case and, and you wake up and every day, like, what did I have? Um, I at the bottom of my foot, I think I had bruised. And so like every day I'd wake up and I'd, take a step and my foot would hurt and that would cause me to to like avoid putting pressure on it and then my ankle got tight and that led up to my knee being tight and my hip being tight and and those things just take a little time like once the bruise on the bottom of my foot went away I could start walking normal again and stretch my hip and then I got back to normal so I think it's just kind of constantly a process of being good making sure you stay good some people do a better job of being preventative or proactive rather than reactive with treatment. I personally hate to admit I, I don't like I, I won't get treated until I have a little something going on. Um, but then just when I do have something, I really, 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 really attack it and make sure that I can get back to normal as quickly as possible because we're so used to our bodies being physically healthy and capable that when a little thing throws you off, it's so frustrating because you're, relying on using your body every day. I think 
if I wasn't using my body every day and it didn't matter that my hip was tight or that my knee hurt because I didn't have to go below parallel I'd be like, ah, whatever, I'll just deal with the pain. But because it's so important and it's going to affect what I'm doing for multiple hours of a day, every day, you definitely, for me, it's like an overwhelming thing when I have a little injury going on. I think when you have that, why it's, it's a lot more, it's easier to become proactive to avoid that stuff. Like you said, being reactive is one thing because mm-hmm. you just keep going hard until something happens and you go, Oh shit, now I got to fix it instead of being proactive. Yeah. Right. Um, I like that, man. I don't know how much you can talk about your training because I know I'm assuming you have a coach that kind of takes that over because that's what most athletes do. What does training periodization mm-hmm. look like for you? Like, I mean, throughout the year, I got to imagine that's a big part of staying healthy and avoiding injury, making sure you're not, overtraining and how often you compete and all those things. How do you plan out the year and look at that? Yeah, CrossFit's really interesting. It's so different from other sports where there's a set season and it makes sense to do different phases of training throughout the year because CrossFit is, it's a little bit of everything. So it's uh, in a traditional sport where you'd have like a, a strength building phase and then maybe like a hypertrophy phase in the off season and then get more into the endurance and sports specific stuff. We don't really do that because you have to be working on, I mean, I guess you could like after the games, you could take three months and just work on strength and still do like little touches on endurance and gymnastics stuff. But you kind of need all those systems to work together at the same time when you get to the CrossFit games or or any other competition. So we kind of are always doing a little bit of everything. So it's not your traditional periodization where you see those different blocks. Um, it is organized in similar ways sometimes, and it depends on what the structure of your season looks like. Right now, I don't know if you're familiar with the CrossFit Games season, but they just announced that the, this year is going to change a ton and it's not going to have the traditional format where it's open regionals, CrossFit Games. And there are sanctioned events that people are going to be able to choose when they go and compete. And so I think it's going to be a little different for everybody. I know for me, I've got Wadapalooza coming up and I kind of, I always with a competition will will hit like a heavy training block of four to five weeks where I'm like really getting after it. I'll do like a one week kind of deload when my body tells me I need it. And I, I can just, that's just a feel thing. And it always seems to happen around that like fourth or fifth week where I just have a, a couple of days in the gym where I'm pretty tired, not feeling strong. Maybe something hurts a little bit and I'll kind of communicate that to my coach and they'll be like, all right, let's back off for the next three or four days. Go at it for uh, like moderate to difficult training for another week. And then I would say like the, the week prior to or the week of the competition leading up then we'll do a, a full taper where it's kind of, if I'm competing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that Monday to Thursday leading up to it, I'll just be getting touches on if we know some of the, if the workouts like announced ahead of time, then we'll get little touches on the elements that we are familiar with that we're going to be competing. And if you don't know any of the workouts, then just kind of general touches on everything and doing like EMOMs every minute on the minute of a couple snatches and a little bit of rowing and, like, I don't know, for me, I like on those weeks feeling like I did something, but that I, I like want to do more. Like I'm not ready to leave the gym. I'm hungry to go get a couple more pieces in, but shutting myself off and letting that hype kind of build. Do you track any, uh, 
like body awareness or biofeedback to let you know? Because I know for a lot of people, it's hard to deload because we want to get after it until it's too late. And in your case, it's a lot yeah. more serious to actually do that because you're about to compete. Do you track like mm. sleep or stress or anything? Or are you, are you just pretty intuitive to the point where you know, like this is needed? Yeah, I, I do go by feel for the most part. I think that I could definitely take advantage of some tools. I actually just got a, an Apple watch here with these cool little nylon bands. But um, I, I think there's a couple ways to be able to track sleep and, and other factors on here. So I might try to figure that out now and uh, use that as a factor. I don't know if the week before Wadapalooza, it makes sense to pay attention to a new piece of data. Um, but I, I definitely think that there is benefit to utilizing that and making sure that you're kind of aware but I don't know I, I did use the whoop system for a little while and that I just felt like I would I would get the information like I'd wake up in the morning and it would say all right you got seven hours of full sleep and it looked like this and your training recovery percentage is 73 percent and I didn't really know what to do with that data you know I'm like okay well does that mean should I go back to bed or should I not train as hard today and then like take a nap later? I, I don't know. Sometimes that can be almost too much data where you start overthinking it and you're like, well, I wanted to train hard today, but this said I'm only 73% recovered. So maybe I shouldn't and can be, yeah, I don't know. Just a little too much. I agree with you, man. There's like all the HRV stuff now and they have like this like yeah. red, yellow, green light system. And I would have clients getting like a yellow light and they would just come to the gym pissed because they're like, it's always saying, <laughs> but they would have like yeah. a stressful day at work and it would tell them to not train hard. And we were like, okay, this is just kind of defeating the purpose of being healthy and active. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's gotta be a, the right balance to utilizing that. Cause I think it is cool and important and it's a good tool, but to not like let it dictate your training day and, and life. 100%. So you brought up the shift in the CrossFit Games, and I had a few people that wanted to get your take on like how you feel about that. Um, for those, because we have a pretty wide audience, both CrossFit and non-CrossFitters, can you explain what's going on? Like, what is the shift? And then just give us your thoughts and feelings about like how the shift is happening and how that's affecting you. Yeah. So very briefly, the CrossFit Games season used to, at least for the last like nine years that I've been doing it, looked like around February and March, they would have the Open, which is a five-week competition. You do one workout per week, submit your score. The top 40, I think, athletes from each region around the world that submit their scores for the Open qualify for regionals. Regionals usually happens around May, and it's kind of an in-person competition where you go and those top 40 are competing throughout the weekend probably nine workouts and by the end of the weekend they take the top three to five men and women from each region and say you guys qualify for the CrossFit Games and then the CrossFit Games are in August and that is what determines the fittest man and woman on earth so again traditionally that was the structure open regionals games and then every other competition outside of that was just something that you would do for fun or for practice and for sponsorship stuff or to make money. And now they've changed the season officially from the CrossFit Games. They said, we're not going to have regionals anymore. So they kind of cut out that middle step. There will still be an open and you'll be able to qualify directly from the open to the CrossFit Games. Or you can choose one of a handful of sanctioned events to compete in. And if you win, 
one of the sanctioned events, then you automatically qualify for the games. So I don't know. My, my take on that so far, it's hard to tell because we haven't seen that pan out for a season and see what that does for the sport and for the athletes of the sport and the fans. But I think that, I mean, it's going to depend on how the season goes for you, but if I'm able to qualify for the games and have my spot secure in January and then have from January all the way until August to take a little break, have a little fun, take care of some business stuff, still train a little bit and then really ramp my training up for the games. That's a huge chunk of time that could be awesome. You know, I think it could be really great for athletes to be able to qualify early and have a lot of time to be able to prepare for the games if it doesn't pan out that way and and some athletes end up having to do multiple competitions throughout the year and can kind of like burn themselves out and maybe do too much, that could be tough. Those are like opposite ends of the spectrum right there in the middle. I think it could be good for people that maybe are not really vying for a top spot of the games. And are like, Oh, this is a cool opportunity. Now that there are so many more sanctioned events, I can go compete, get myself a little bit more exposure in terms of sponsorship being able to compete around the world and kind of build my skill base, get better at competing, make some money. So I think it could be good for different people for different reasons. I know that's a very vague answer, but I don't know. We'll just have to see, I think. Yeah. It's so new. You're going to have to find out. Do you have like set, not necessarily rules, but like a plan? Um, I'm sure this is kind of developed over time as you learned how your body works of like, how many times throughout the year you allow yourself to actually compete to make sure you avoid burnout and make sure that you can recover and perform at your best? Yeah, you know, I used to compete a lot. And I think that that's really, I, that, that was really, really helpful that early on I would go and do a ton of local competitions and I did the Open and I did regionals and I would still do extra stuff outside of the CrossFit game season. And I think that really helped me grow as a competitor and like really understand how to compete. But as I started getting better and my focus shifted a little more to, okay, now I can qualify for the CrossFit Games and I I think I can actually do well at the CrossFit Games and I want to try to win that thing. The priority being that I kind of shifted away from competing as much throughout the rest of the season. And when I started working with Training Think Tank, Max said, I think we can pick maybe one competition outside of the games to have you do just to stay sharp and and make some money. But for the most part, let's focus your training throughout the year on just the CrossFit games. And, and that's kind of still where I'm at with that. I think in a couple years, if for whatever reason, I like getting on the podium at the games is not the primary goal, then I think it could be kind of fun to, just jump out there and and compete a ton again. You know, like I actually had the idea the other day, if in a couple of years I am still getting after it to do every single sanctioned event. Again, this is the first time I think I've uh, mentioned that to anybody, but I think that could be a fun project. I don't know if anybody else is doing that. Most people are trying to pick and choose one or two that they might do and have the best chance at. But if I decide ahead of a season, like, all right, this is what my season is going to look like. I'm going to go to all 16 of these sanctioned events, one in Iceland, one in China, a couple in the United States, one in uh, Australia, and 
document the whole thing. And I don't know, I think that could be a fun little project and a cool way to structure a season. So we'll see if that pans out. As soon as you started saying that, I thought about, cause you, I know you have a vlog. I haven't dug into it a ton, but I think that would be a really cool project for the vlog to like, see you traveling and doing that. Yeah. Like so. one episode for each country and competition. That could be pretty cool. Yeah. So um, as much as you can talk about it, I'd love to know more about, and I know multiple people asked about this is like, what does like first your week look like? And then your day. So like as a professional athlete, like what does a week of training look like? Like how do you structure your training split? How many times a week or day do you train? And then we'll kind of go into your daily routine if that's cool with you. But like starting with the week, what does that look like as an athlete? So I think that a lot of CrossFit people, whether they're um, games athletes or not, tends to go off of a three day on one day off two day on one day off schedule and and I maybe I don't know if that is true that a majority of people do that but a lot of people that I know will train including myself Monday Tuesday Wednesday take a rest day Thursday train Friday Saturday and take a rest day Sunday I'm just kind of always like that structure I feel like it allows me to train really hard for three days by that third day I am probably a little bit of sore and tired and a rest day is appropriate. Take that to kind of recharge, get after it Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, again, kind of recharge, but then also be able to take a break from the CrossFit life and just do normal stuff and kind of have that weekend to spend time with family and girlfriend and go around town and get a good meal and shop and blah, 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 you know, like normal people stuff. Um, so yeah, I try to have as much balance as I can, but a majority of my time is spent training on those days. I usually train, I would say like six to eight hours in total. And that's probably two to three hours in my first session in the morning from like 10 to one, take a little break, eat, rest, and then go back. And then my second session, sometimes third session will be from... I don't know, three to five. And then if I have something else, it's either another session somewhere in the middle of that, or maybe a, a later in the day session. It kind of depends on the time in the season, like leading up to the games, my coach, rather than them being kind of two big sections, big sessions, I'm sorry, broke them up. And I was doing like five, one hour sessions spread throughout the day. And again, that was just to prep and get as many touches on different things as possible. But Right now, it's pretty traditional. It's the, the morning session is a little bit of strength training. And then a Metcon, the afternoon session is maybe another Metcon and some intervals with the assault bike, anaerobic power, just like really getting after it or some longer endurance stuff or going to the track, but uh, good balance there in terms of time and movements. What does a day look like having to get through that? Because obviously, I mean, as an athlete, this is your job. So you have more time to be in the gym and to dedicate to that. How do you go about your day? I mean, do you have like a morning routine? Do you have like specific things that you like to do between sessions, all that stuff? Or is it just like every day is different? You're kind of a on the go guy. Yeah. I, I would say it's right in the middle of those two. I'm not super strict on having a routine and doing the same thing every day, but I think for the most part, I do have habits for sure that I usually will wake up around eight o'clock, um, kind of, I'm, I'm able to start my morning slow. I don't have to like rush out the door. So I'll come out, make some food, eat while I'm like sitting out back with Max, my dog. And then finally make my way over to the gym once that food is processed a little bit. 
I've got time to warm up, get after the session. And in the middle of the day there, I used to not do this. I used to just kind of go straight through and just be go, go, go nonstop. And I'd be kind of tired by the end of the day. But now I try to actually kind of get off my feet in that little session or that break in between sessions, get off my feet, really eat some good food, get some fuel in me, and then go back and try to hit that second session just as strong as the first one. I'll usually be done training right around the time that my girlfriend Joanne is done with school. She's at PT school or she's in PT school at UM. And so we'll both be done at the same time. We'll be able to come home, spend some time together, make dinner together, eat and try to get to bed at a reasonable time. I love it, man. So what um, about nutrition? Cause that's the next topic that a lot of people wanted to know about is like, what do you eat? Like, and obviously this changes. Yeah. I don't need you to break down your exact macros for us or anything, but I'm curious of a couple things. Number one, what does it kind of look like? How is it structured? And then number two, has that evolved over the time that you've been doing CrossFit? Because I know a lot of athletes, both in actually bodybuilding as well as CrossFit, who started in the training realm because that's what we love. That's what's exciting. That's what's fun. And as they got older in their sport, nutrition became more of a crucial demand. Is that kind of how it evolved for you? Or has nutrition always been a priority? Or is it even something that you prioritize? Yeah, that's absolutely the way it worked. I started off and and didn't pay too much attention to nutrition and then kind of dove into like the the paleo zone thing because that was a big crossfit push at the beginning when i started and realized that that didn't really make sense for me as much as a competitor and that i needed a, a different carb source than paleo provides and so I, that's actually been a more recent thing over the past i would say two to three years that I've really emphasized more carbs and using that as fuel. Prior to working with Max, I didn't really pay too much attention to my nutrition. I just made sure that I was like eating healthy meals and um, I don't know, just like the, the rice, chicken, vegetables and whatever that may be, but not paying attention to the quantity and, and when I was eating stuff. And then I have started to now, pay more attention to, okay, like before and after really trying to get a lot of carbs in there in the evening is when I will have like a a bigger meal that has a lot of fat and stuff in it. But um, for the most part, I would say what that looks like now for me is in the morning, I'll try to do a big breakfast. So that is an easy time. Like I said, I, I can do that slow and I can take the time to like eat and digest that food. So I'll try to make sure I can get like 150 grams of carbs in in the morning a little bit of a little bit of fat and then a moderate amount of protein and that can come from like oats fruit uh bagels i've been having like the dave's killer bread i really like their bagels that they make they seem quote unquote healthy and like a, a good carb source um like breakfast potatoes hash browns kind of generally what I would consider healthy. I know everybody's got a a different definition for that word, but nothing like crazy and indulgent, a good, easy way to get carbs in in the morning. And then in the afternoon when it's a little bit more difficult because I am coming off of training, you know, I'm sweaty and breathing heavy. I am going to go back to training in an hour. I don't want to eat anything kind of like gross and heavy. So a really light, easy carb source that I have been using lately are like little applesauce squeeze packets they make them a bunch of different brands they have them at trader joe's they're called fruit crushers and at Publix called um go go squeeze 
but it's just literally like applesauce blended with different fruits, strawberries, bananas, if you want. And I'll chug down like three or four of those. That gets me like 40, 50 grams of carbs. I also take um, carb powder. Xworks is a company that is a supplement sponsor of mine and I actually helped them develop a product called Motion, which is just a cyclic dextrin carbohydrate. And I'll usually just mix that with water, have like 50 grams of carbs in between sessions. So again, just like easier ways to drink stuff down and get stuff in, in the middle of training sessions. And then, like I said, in the evening, do the big meal, you know, like cook the fish or the burger or the whatever else it is, like a very traditional meal with vegetable, meat, potato, whatever. It's been really cool to see uh, the CrossFit industry shift away from paleo and get more into, because everybody I've worked with in the CrossFit space, it's the same thing. I'm like, we got to load you up with carbs because you're doing such a glycolytic sport. And everybody listening to this is probably familiar with the cyclic dextrin as well, because we recommend that. Um, But I think that the pouches is a cool idea too, because, and it's funny. So I told you before the show, like I have a nine month old daughter and sometimes she won't want to eat. So I'll like take a bite. So she like gets excited and then she'll eat. And they're delicious, yeah. but it's the same thing. It's like yeah. pouches of just fruit, man. I would eat the same thing. It's good. For sure. Yeah. They're tasty, easy. They like settle in your stomach really well. That's been a, a key for competitions and stuff too. Does that shift over time at all throughout the year? Like, do you periodize your nutrition or is it pretty standard of like, this is the kind of macro ratio I follow. This is the style of diet I follow throughout the entire year. Yeah, I I definitely do change it up depending on where we're at in the season. I would say right after competing, we'll kind of take it easy and like don't track as hard, you know, kind of eat whatever you want. Don't focus so much on that. And then when we're getting closer to competing, it's a little bit more dialed in and then the carbs go up because my training volume is up and I want to have those energy sources in there. So I would say throughout the year, last year, I was probably doing 400 to 450 grams of carbs a day and then as we got closer to games time it was up there like minimum 500 grams of carbs each day and sometimes even more if I could handle it so and that's been an adjustment too it's that's a a, for me that's a tough amount of carbs to get in and sometimes I'll make it to the end of the day and I'm like damn it's 9 p.m and I still need 150 grams of carbs like how in the world am I going to do that right now and I don't know, you might know better than I do because you're a nutrition coach, but sometimes I have to make the decision, all right, it's, it is that time and I need this many carbs. Do I go mix up that cyclic dextrin shake and chug down like 100 grams of carbs and that? Is that good to do right before bed? Or do I just call it a day and say, all right, I got to go to bed and I, I'm going to bed with this deficit of this many carbs. So still figuring it out. And I don't know what the, the right thing for me to do just yet is. I think like you said earlier with training, it depends. You know what I mean? That's always kind of the answer. Like, where are you at with your season? Like, what did you do the next day? What do you have tomorrow? Like, all those things factor in. And that's actually nice that flexible dieting, and I still believe, like, people don't like using the word healthy. You said it a couple times, but I still use the word healthy foods. Like, it's nice that flexible dieting came around instead of paleo and and zone because you do have more freedom to be like, you know what? It is more important for me to hit my totals right now, so I got to – kind of have some leeway and step out of the paleo realm so I can get some quicker carbs, whether it is white rice or it's something yeah. even more sugar dense. But um, so I want to kind of shift gears. We've been talking about training and nutrition, but I know the mindset of an athlete is a very important factor. And there's a couple of ways I want to go with this. Um, but first thing I'm interested in is just positivity. Like you seem like a really positive dude. Everything you post on social media is really positive. Um, you came out with, I thought it was really cool. I was just checking out your shirts and you had like the no yes. And like the whole reason behind it was like just saying yes more and being more positive. 
what created that mindset in you and, and like how do you kind of is that just in you do you have like practices you use like what caused you to want to kind of push that yeah it's it's developed over the last couple of years and again with everything else i feel like i'm being redundant by saying this but it's still something that is developing in me and in my demeanor but um i think sometimes it takes people to guide you and help you realize what you've got going on to really make that your thing and and I don't know, I, I used to not be as confident and comfortable in my own skin. And so I think I tried to be what I thought I needed to be. And finally, when I started to be a little bit more confident and just be who I am, and that's just like a, a goofy, fun, positive person for the most part, I think. And it was pointed out to me by a couple of people, including my coach, Max, like, you are just a, a happy, fun, loving, like, kind of carefree type of guy. And I took a step back and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I guess, I guess, yeah, that, that is uh, how I, I do enjoy living my life. And to see that it can have a positive impact on people was cool that like your positivity can create positivity in other people as well made me want to be even more positive. So it's kind of like this, uh, this positive feedback loop where somebody pointed out to me that they thought I was a positive person and that they enjoyed that. And I was like, okay, well, if, if he likes that and she likes that, then I should be more that way. And so I think I, I just tried to get myself more and not, not that I was forcing myself to be positive by any means, but just like choosing to, to smile and be kind to people. And it just, again, is that positive feedback loop. The more you do that, the more people are going to react positively and it just makes you want to keep going in that way. I think that's huge, dude. I actually posted the other day about like positivity being a choice. Like you do have to choose at sometimes to choose the positive route and to help reflect sure. that on other people. Um, as a professional athlete, I got to imagine there's a time where not necessarily positivity needs a shift, but you got to get serious. You got to get ready for the games. And a lot of people wanted to know, like, what is your mindset going into the arena? Let's say like when you're stepping out there and you're about to compete, like what's going on through your head? Do you like zone out? Are you ignoring everybody? Like, do you have any... Like I read this thing about a professional athlete in the Olympics. It was a track guy and he explained his thought process when he was doing a sprint. The sprint was a 10 second sprint, but it took him pages to write it out because he had so many thoughts going through his head of the process. Like, do you have any memories of that or any insight you can kind of bring us to your mindset going into that? Yeah, it's, I guess when I step onto the competition floor, it's always kind of the same that I'm able to get into a good spot and, my head's in the right place and my body is in the right place. And I'm kind of in like a flow state. I think people are maybe familiar with, but leading up to that moment where you're in the warm up area and the days before and, and walking out onto the competition floor, you know, I've actually experimented with some different demeanors and mindsets. And I, I think I used to not be super serious about it. I used to kind of, be a little more lighthearted. And then I had a year where I wanted to, I was like really, really serious. And I had done some um, worked with like a sports psychologist and was super zoned in and thought I needed to, again, be a certain way. And I don't know, that almost for me put too much pressure on myself. And I feel like that kind of cracked me and was overwhelming. And now I've kind of, again, once I've found that confidence in who I am, I, can just be myself and it's still like being 
friendly and funny maybe in the, in the warm-up area with some of the other guys. And then once we're like lined up in the corrals, walking out to the competition floor, I'm kind of in my zone, not really talking to too many people, but just like excited for the opportunity to go out there and compete and perform and just like breathing and soaking it all in and focusing on what I need to go out there and do and trying to smile, I think was a, a cool thing for me, like walking out on the competition floor and rather than having like this mean face and breathing heavy and like really, again, hyping myself up and feeling overwhelmed, kind of doing the opposite and taking like one deep breath in and looking around and smiling and being appreciative of the opportunity and trying to really capitalize on it was a, a positive shift that I was able to make that was pretty helpful for me. Do you ever get like a big uh, mental or emotional dump like afterwards? Like it's just this build up to the games for so long and then you're there and it's done. And then the week after, is it like, what's going through your mind the week after? How do you feel? Man, it's weird. You would think that it would be something significant like that. And maybe sometimes it has been, but I have noted a time or two that the games are over and I'll wake up that Monday morning and it, it's so weird because it just feels like a normal Monday and you're like, huh, nothing's different. I'm waking up in the same bed and I'm the same person and yeah, I'm sore, but nothing's changed. Like whether I came in fourth place was my best finish at the games or uh, 15th was my, my lowest finish. Like it, it, either way, I still was the same guy. My family still loved me the same. I went out to breakfast with them all to kind of celebrate no matter what the placement was afterwards. And, I don't know. It, it doesn't change as much as you may think that it would after a huge competition like that. Like you just kind of go back to the drawing board and you're like, all right, well that went well or didn't go so well. What are we going to do to make it better next year? I got to imagine part of the reason you're able to stay so consistent in all this and, and keep competing and stuff is because you have that mindset and because you actually want to have fun with it. So you maybe don't experience those highs and lows as much because you're always kind of I mean, we all have lows, but it seems like you're always on a high. You know what I mean? You love this shit. And I think that's really important. Yeah, totally. And it, there, don't get me wrong. There are definitely times where I'm disappointed. You know, like the year that I came in 15th, I was really bummed out. And of course, I had the thoughts of like, man, am I still good enough to do this? How much longer do I want to keep competing? Like this is mentally and physically stressful. And around those times, I think you have the more extreme thoughts like that right before and after the games just because all the pressure is kind of built up to that week but then when it all kind of settles back down I like you said I realize I do love this and I do want to continue to do this and I just need to find a better way to do it if I didn't place very well right so I, I have two more questions for you before I let you sign off and, and the first one is it could be one or it could be up to three and it could be about training nutrition just life anything but I'm just curious of like as a professional athlete and as this journey you've gone through what are the top one to three lessons you've kind of taken in that you would give the listeners about it all like what are the biggest things that stand out to you in your mind cool I think the first thing that comes to mind and I've said this before but it was really powerful for me prior to doing CrossFit I had not really like worked hard you know I always played sports and I always competed well but we never really I feel like trained for them. I always practiced, but practice in sports is usually just playing the sports when you're like a high school or collegiate athlete. And it wasn't until I started doing CrossFit that I had to learn what like hard work and grinding and getting after it really was. And so there was a quote that was taped up in the back room of peak when I first started and it said, nothing replaces hard work. 
And I didn't really get it right away. But then when I realized that I needed to get stronger and grind through heavy back squats and practice these skills over and over again, I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Like if I want to get better and see improvements in this stuff and I want to be able to do what that guy's doing or, or do even better than he's doing, then I need to really work hard and spend the time doing this stuff to get better at it. So I think just, yeah, being able to work hard and realizing that no matter what it is in life, I think if you really, really want it, you got to work hard for it. And that was important for me. Um, There's no way around that. Yeah. I would say that's probably number one. Number two is uh, can kind of bounce right off of that first one. And it's my like little slogan where it's over there. It's happy, but hungry. I think that, being able to, even though you're, you are working hard and staying hungry and really getting after it. So this is kind of like flipping that phrase around almost being able to still be happy and enjoy what you're doing and not have it be a grind and be miserable and doing it because you have to do it, you know, like be happy, enjoy it, be, um, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Just, uh, what's, uh, I can't think of it. Not, not being content, you know, like, enjoying it and still knowing that even though you you are where you want to be or you that you you enjoy where you are right now that you're still not necessarily where you want to be you know like still striving forward even though you're in a good spot yeah almost like appreciative but never satisfied right yeah for sure I think that's really important. I always talk about like stopping and smelling the roses because I see a lot of, at least in the business space and entrepreneur space, I help some people with their businesses and like, it's like setting a goal and you're moving closer to it and you already set a new goal before you hit that goal. So when you hit it, you don't even stop to celebrate it. You don't appreciate it. You're not grateful. You kind of just keep forward. And I think that's an appetite for for destruction. You got to keep appreciating what you're doing, but you can never not be hungry. So I like Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I guess so far I've been giving you one liners. It was nothing replaces hard work and happy, but hungry. And then the last one is not really a one liner, but I would say that, um, kind of not in regards to CrossFit, just in life in general. One thing that I am learning more is to just have balance in, in your relationships and being really kind to people and being a positive influence and a light. And, and, uh, I think people out there need somebody to just say hello to them and smile at them and, um, and then you're in your deeper relationships that you do have, you know, like prioritizing those people and really giving them love and, and receiving love that they want to give to you. Cause I think people that are listening might be competitors and they might like really be chasing whatever dream and goal they have. And sometimes we can get so wrapped up in that, that maybe we neglect our loved ones, or even if it's not our loved ones and we're really good to them, we maybe neglect people that we just see in the gym every day and you're like, ah, oh, whatever, this is just routine. That person's doing their thing, but I'm on my mission, but, but you can still kind of intersect those two and just be positive and supportive. And that's important to you. Like it'll feel good if you get that. So it's definitely going to feel good to somebody if they get it from you. I think that's huge, man. I think especially in athletics, but any, if you're a high performer in any realm, I think you have to be a little bit selfish because you have to prioritize what you're doing to grow so much that it can be hard not to fall into those bad habits. Yeah, so that's, sure. that's good. So the last one I have for you is more of a personality question. We do this with every single guest that comes on the show. Um, you're in this situation, you would call it. So you're at a dinner table and you have three empty seats in front of you and you can pick anyone to be at that dinner table with you alive or dead, but they cannot be friends or family. 
So I know you're a dog lover. It can't be your dog. Can't be your girl. It's got to be <laughs> yeah. somebody else, alive or dead. Man, that's tough because I've gotten this question before and I've been stumped by it. So you would think that I would have formulated a, a proper answer. But man, anybody alive or dead is not a friend or family. Um, I don't know. I would think that I would want it to be somebody influential, somebody that's going to be able to, in a positive way, um, kind of get me inspired and excited about life and just feeling good. Somebody that is uh, supportive. You know, I feel like that's, again, that's a really important thing. I, I think that when you get somebody that kind of believes in you and they can get you motivated just by saying like, Hey, I think you can do it. And I want to see you do it. So I don't know who that is. I'm, I'm, I'm giving like characteristics of a person. I don't know which person is that way in particular. I said this before and I feel like it's a, a cheesy answer on another one, but I don't know why the rock seems like he'd be a cool dude to sit down with. He seems like he would be positive and inspiring and like a, a fun guy to spend some time with. Um, Definitely. Who else? Hmm. Can I ask you what yours might be? One of yours? Maybe I can get a, a little yeah. hint here. You know what? You're going to laugh at mine. Somebody uh, flipped the script on me, and it was a while ago. I know one of them was Rob Deerdeck because I, I grew up a skateboarder. Oh, yeah. And then I got into fitness. But yeah. Rob Deerdeck is such a positive dude. He's very successful. He and seems he's just, like it. He would just For be sure. fun to hang out with, too. So I know he was one of mine. I want to say The Rock was one of mine as well, actually, because I agree yeah. with you. 100%. I don't think that's cheesy at all. He's crushing it. And I can't remember what the third one was. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's a really positive lady out there that it'd be cool to get a, a perspective from. Uh, I don't know exactly who that would be. And hmm, maybe someone funny, like a comedian of some sort, maybe throw ah, this, this stupid. I didn't realize that they're paired, but I was thinking Kevin Hart, even though he's <laughs> like another piece of the rock, but it'd just be funny to have some humor at the table too. It'd almost be better because they're together. So I agree with you, man. Yeah, That's a good one. So, for sure. dude, thank Me you so much. Oh, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and taking your time, man. I really do appreciate it. Is there anything that you want the, the listeners to go check out your shirts, your, your Instagram, anything like that? Now's the time to kind of shout it out and get them over there. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing in particular, no uh, specific plugs, but if anybody does want to check out what I've got going on, I've got my website, noolson.com. Most of that stuff is on there. And then you can find me on all the social media platforms. Instagram is N-O-H-L-S-E-N. And uh, on YouTube, just Noah Olson trying to put out some good quality content on all those platforms. I hope everybody's enjoying it. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to put out some more quality content on your platform. Man, I appreciate it. My pleasure.